morning, everyone. So I will invite you all to stand now um, as we hear the words of the living God from Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, so my... My mother, um, you've learned some biography about me from this video. It's kind of a hard transition going from a video straight to sermon. Uh, it feels weird up here. I don't know if it feels weird down there. Um, a bit more about me. Uh, my, uh, my mother, uh, actually, she actually nearly died giving birth to me. Um, I, uh, she, um, I was born via C-section, and my mother uh, had toxemia, which I think is the same thing as preeclampsia or similar. Uh, so some healthcare professionals could tell me. Um, someone that is nodding in the back, uh, the, which basically her blood wouldn't clot, you know, after having a, a surgery that, that required her to be opened up. And I was healthy and fine as a baby, uh, but it was very treacherous for my mother. And, um, by God's grace, she was stabilized. She was able to be stabilized and, and, and go home. Um, my parents named me Stephen. Uh, I've said my name a lot already in this service. Uh, I was named after the uh, church leader in the book of Acts. You can read about him in Acts 6 and 7. He's the, the first martyr for the church, really a hero of the church. Um, more than that, the name Stephen was precious to my mom. Uh, she had a younger brother, about 10 years younger than her, who was nearly named Stephen. Uh, his name was changed, decided to be, his, her parents decided to name him Mark at the last minute. Uh, but it's, it was a name that my mom had been cherishing for a long time. Uh, long before I was born. There aren't many photos uh, that I can think of uh, from when I was born. My poor mother, I'm sure, didn't want to be in many photos um, as she was going through her trial. But there's one that I'll always remember that's going to be with me for the, like, the rest of my days, and it's of my four grandparents uh, meeting me for the first time. And my, particularly my mom's mom is holding me, and her face is just the focal point of the picture. And it's like her, her face is like shining. Um, she's smiling so big. She's so excited to be meeting her, her first grandchild. Um, that's, those are like some data points of like the genesis, my genesis, like the origin story of me. And um, there's so many like reflections as I like go through my life looking back on that, like how fragile life is, how, you know, uh, how the sacrificial love of my mother, um, and also just like how cherished I am. And these, this, like, as I think about who I am today, and also the man I want to be in the kind of world I, I want to, you know, I, I want to have around my own children and my own grandchildren, it's, I, look, I have to look back to where I began. I look back to my origin. And um, the, it was my in the, in the beginning story. And I'm sure there's some of you in this room who are hearing that, and you're like, my in the beginning story it doesn't have those, those nice notes that yours does. And in these, the weeks ahead and the months ahead, we're going to be reading from the origin of origin stories, the beginning of the book of Genesis. We're going to be working through Genesis chapters 1 through 11, which is 
is like the beginning, the foundation of the entire Bible. And like your story, this story, the story that we're going to be reading, uh, it gets, it, it, if your story may be this way, um, it gets dark faster than we would want it to. Uh, we, we're going to learn about the, the origin of all the good things in the world, of creation, God calling all these things good, and the creation of man and woman. And, but there's also going to, we're also going to learn about the creation of things that we would rather not meet, but are, that still haunt our world today, still dominate our world today. We're going to learn about the, the, the beginning of human wickedness, of sin and evil. And, um, and we'll learn about, we'll see Satan soon, sooner than we'd like to. And however, it's, as, but as we learn about the things, as we see like how there are things in the origin story that we would rather not see until later, um, in spite of all these things, we're also going to see, I bet, that God is saving the world in spite of all human wickedness and rebellion, and that the salvation of the world will come completely one day in his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to see that foreshadowed even today and in the weeks ahead. And more than that, I think we're going to see how in Christ, a new creation has begun. We're reading about creation now, and we're going to be this, that's where we're going to be camped out for a few weeks. In Christ, there's also a new creation. We, that was the passage we read about in our today in the, the, the words of encouragement. Behold, anyone in Christ is a new creation. And this new creation work of Christ is here, it's in this room, and it's being worked by the same spirit that we just read about hovering over the waters. So that's what we're going to be studying um, in the weeks ahead, the book of Genesis. Um, so as we start off, as I look at the, just these two opening verses from this book that we love, what are some things that we, that we learn? Uh, two things that I want to draw attention to today. First off, God is creator. And implied in that is that we're not. And we are creatures. And the second thing is that God is near. Um, and implied in, in that, I think, is that our destiny is found in him. So first off, I'm going to spend more time on this one. God is the creator. Verse 1 again. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Christians have been confessing for a long time that God created everything, created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. The, the word in the original language here is the, the Hebrew word barah. It's this word, as it, as it appears later throughout the Old Testament, it can mean, it has a wide meaning. It can mean a number of different things. But throughout the Old Testament, the only subject of this verb is God himself. Uh, humans, well, there are lots of things humans can do. We can beget, we can make, uh, we can rule, but only God creates in, the whole, in, in Scripture. The word beginning, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Beginning, it, it does refer to like a chronological beginning. God exists outside of time, but this is the beginning of time. It does, you know, this is the, as in like in the beginning, the first thing. That's, I think, the, the, the definition we go to right off the top of our heads. But also, it, like, it tightened in with this, like, idea of beginning is, is also, like, the principle of being, the principle of existence. Uh, the, there's a, 
there was a, a, a church, a, a theologian who was writing in the 300s. His name was, was Basil of Caesarea. Basil, kind of like what you put on a margarita pizza, you know, like the herb, but with an I instead of an E, Basil of Caesarea. Um, he, he looked at this word um, as it was translated into the, his Greek, um, and he was like, you know, this, this doesn't just mean a beginning in time. He says it, it, also, is, it also is the principle that gives coherence to the whole. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a big sentence. It's in the beginning, God created the heavens earth. The beginning, it's, there, there's something in this that had, there's the, the wisdom uh, from which everything comes, from, uh, around which everything is based. Um, the, and the, and the, who is the, you know, this in the beginning, this wisdom through which God creates the world? We learn about this later on in the Bible. That is in the Apostle John, in John chapter 1, he writes about Jesus Christ, the Word. He writes, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the principle that gives coherence to the whole. And theologians throughout history have, have looked in these verses, and they've always been quick to try and find, see how the Trinity is here. We, the, you know, the Father is, is God created, Father creates. The principle through which he creates is Jesus, his Son. And then in verse 2, we saw the Spirit hovering over the waters. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What about the last part? God created the heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth is just a shorthand way to say everything. God created the things that are above and the things that are below. He created what's invisible, the, the, the angels and, th and powers of the spiritual realm. He created what's visible, the, the, the moon and the sun and the stars and the mountains and the, the plant life and the animals. It's just a way of saying that he created everything. And what this means as God's creator is that there is nothing in creation that is independent of God. Everything ultimately finds, he's the author of, of all things, except for evil, uh, which we'll talk more in future weeks. Um, all things ultimately find their, their, their meaning, their principle that gives coherence to the whole in him. And implied in this, by the way, is that we're creatures. We aren't the creator. We are creatures. Um, the, this movie's getting old now, um, the movie Toy Story. Uh, the, I was watching some clips for it uh, and thinking about this. And it's amazing how the animation at the time, like in the late 90s, was just like amazing. And now it, like, it looks downright cheesy. Um, in the movie Toy Story, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the, the premise of, of Toy Story is that whenever the kids leave the room, the toys, all these different kinds of toys, they come to life and they talk to each other and they try and you know, resolve problems for the, 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 the kid whose name is Andy, who's, who's their, the, who plays with them and they love him. And uh, the, the plot really gets going because Andy gets a new toy. Who's, uh, it's a Buzz Lightyear toy. And Buzz Lightyear is voiced by Tim Allen. He's one of the two main characters. And Buzz Lightyear is a toy, a really cool action figure that can do lots of cool things. Uh, but Buzz Lightyear, he thinks that he's like the actual literal Buzz Lightyear from the cartoons, and that it's like his responsibility to defeat Zorg and 
the, this great intergalactic threat. And, he, and you know, he thinks he can fly, and that he has all these different powers. And, um, and like over the course of the movie, he begins to learn that he's actually not that. He's actually a toy. Uh, he, he tries to fly at one point, and, and it, it, he collapses onto the ground. Um, and it's like his, his fall from his illusion of, real, of thinking about what he was. And he has this, this epiphany moment where he realizes that there's actually immense joy and freedom in coming to grips with the fact that he's a toy. And that the crazy thing is like the moment of epiphany for him is when he looks at his foot and he sees Andy's name on his foot, you know, that, that the, you know, there's someone above him to whom he, you know, owes his life. And there's, there's actually joy and freedom in that. And, and when he does, after he does that, he's actually free to save the other toys. He's actually able to fly because there's a, ro there's a rocket strapped to his back. You know, it's, it's like the, you know, the, the plot, you know, wraps up and stuff. And there's a point where another character, the other main character, Woody, like, shakes him. And he's like, you are a toy. Like, you need, like <laughs> just trying to get him to come to grips with that. And in a similar way, I think this, like, this passage, it's, it's looks us in the eyes. It says, you are a creature. You are a creature. You are not the creator. However humiliating it may feel, it may sound, it's actually freeing for us to admit that God is the creator and we are not. It's actually freeing. Uh, I just remembered this late last night. Uh, one time, uh, Victor Kim said, Genesis 1-1 is the most offensive verse in the Bible. I think he's, he's on to something there. Um, in the chapters ahead, what we're going to see is that all of human rebellion ultimately originates in turning against this idea, turning against God as creator, and instead trying to make, like instead of abiding by how he's created the world and by his law, they decide to live in their own way according to what's pleasing to their own eyes and be a law unto themselves and hell breaks out on the earth, deciding, acting as if they were creators themselves. It's freeing and it's joyful to admit God is creator and we are not. So what, how do we respond to this, this point that God is creator and we are not? I can think of a number of different responses um, for us sitting in this room. First off, uh, we're humbled. I've been talking about already. It's, it's humbling to admit that we're not the creator, that we can't construct meaning. Uh, there's uh, this really famous quote from a Supreme Court case from um, a few decades ago. It's maybe been overused and overquoted, uh, but the, the, the justice written the, the majority opinion, he wrote this in thinking about our, our rights and what it means to be human. He wrote, at the heart of liberty, important you know, thing we're seeking for here in America, liberty, at the heart of liberty, is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. No. We, we don't get to define those things, is what this text says. We, don't get a, we, don't get, we can't define the concept of existence. We don't get to define the, the meaning of the universe. We don't get to define the mystery of human life. We're, our great privilege is to, is to seek out these things um, 
It's like a great life task for us to seek them out, but we don't get to define them. We receive them. It's humbling. It's really humbling. It's the starting point of, of our living in the world is admitting that we can't define those things and we have to rather turn to the one who defined them, the one who made them, God himself. It's humbling. Another response to this is it's actually kind of relieving. It's relieving. We don't have to manufacture ourselves. We don't have to create ourselves. We don't have to create the world. Uh, there's, it's sometimes I, I get the sense that like the, the, the a dominant voice in our culture is just like, hey, just go figure out all the ins and outs of your identity and get everyone else to abide by it. And oh, by the way, just go figure out the meaning of the universe. It's not only arrogant to think that we can do that, it's also exhausting. It's exhausting to think that we start from like step one and have to determine all those things for ourselves and for everyone. Like, I don't know, uh, when I was going off to college, which is an increasing number of years away, um, years in the past, that what they would say, and college students, you gotta let me know, I'm really curious if people still say this. When I was like a senior preparing to go off to college, like everyone's like, yeah, college, it's a great time to go find yourself. Do people still say that? Yes, okay, okay, I'm, I'm getting nods. I, it's, um, I, I don't know what the heck that means exactly, but I think there's something in it like, oh, you're supposed to go off in this time and determine existence. Um, it's, and as I just like reflect back on that, I'm just like, it's a massive weight to just understand myself. Like, why do I do what I do? Why do I fear what I fear? Why do I love what I love? Without the additional weight of having to invent myself. It's relieving to turn to something that's ancient and good and true and rest in, in God and, and rest in what he, he says we are and, his, and the nature that he's given us instead of trying to like build a giant sandcastle by ourselves. It's relieving. Um, I think another thing that comes from, it's admitted from confessing that God is creator, uh, a way we respond to this, I think it shows that we're called to live meaningful lives. Uh, we're, we are not just a pile of pleasure-seeking atoms. And we're not just a collection of molecules and chemical reactions. Uh, the, the source of all life has made us. It's made you the source of goodness, of joy, of sacrificial love. God contains all those things perfectly in himself. He is all those things, utterly. Love, joy, peace, goodness. He's the great artist. He crafted the sun, the moon, the stars, the angels, the sea creatures, the birds, the animals. The great artist. He crafted you. He crafted you. He's numbered the hairs on your head. You are not junk. You are not junk. You are called, you are called, we are called, I'm, I'm called, we're called to more than binging Netflix all day. Like, your life is meaningful. Like, you have the, the fingerprints of the God of the universe or is in your creation, who you are. Do you live like that? The next thing, um, I think as we learn about God being creator, about 
Nothing in creation being independent of him. I think we are, we're reassured in our suffering. We're reassured in our suffering. We, uh, this, uh, this is a quote from Elizabeth Elliot, uh, a woman who suffered a lot in her life. She said, you're not adrift in chaos. You're not, you're not just like, uh, like I said, a, a pile of atoms, like a collection of molecules together that is just like under, like being bombarded by random circumstances and other molecules running into molecules. Like it's, that's not what you are. That's not true. Actually, the, like the author of the universe is guiding things toward a certain end, and you are an integral part in that in ways that we can see and ways that we can't see. You're not just subject to random circumstances. Um, I, I, I heard a, a story this past week that really reminded me of this. Um, it was from a, a, a man who's a professor. He's actually a professor at a seminary outside the city. His name's Johnny Gibson. And um, he uh, wrote, wrote this children's book based off of this, this story um, called The Moon is Always Round. And uh, what happened in his life, he, he and his wife, uh, at a, a previous, in, when he, they were in a previous place, uh, he, they had a three-year-old son whose name was Ben. And uh, his wife was uh, pregnant with a, a second uh, named Layla. Um, and he, as, as uh, Gibson would put his son Ben to bed every night, he would kind of go through this, this ritual with him where they look up at the moon together. And he would ask his son Ben, hey, Ben, what, what, what shape is the moon? And, you know, maybe Ben would say, as the three-year-old kid, like, it's, 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 you know, maybe it's big today. Or it's, it's like a crescent. It's like a fingernail today. And, you know, because the moon's always shifting and changing sizes. And... And uh, then Gibson would be like, very good, very good, Ben. And then we'd ask him again, but what shape is, is the moon really? And his son, his son would give the, the answer that he learned, which is the moon is always round. The moon's always round. Even though we, you know, we can see one thing, we know, we know the moon's actually always round. And then Gibson would say, and God is always good. And God is always good. And... Uh, the pregnancy, so again, his wife, uh, Gibson's wife, was pregnant with their second, a daughter named Layla. And about uh, two weeks uh, before their due date, uh, before her due date, um, his wife woke up and was like, something's really not right. Something's not right. And they went into the doctor and received the tragic news that, their, that Layla had died. And uh, she was stillborn, and they were able to to hold her, and the, their three-year-old son, Ben, was able to come along and hold her um, and, and mourn. And, they, and uh, Gibson was driving his son, Ben, home after holding her and meeting her and um, uh, was having this conversation with his three-year-old son uh, where his his, was ask, he was asking three-year-old questions. He was like, why isn't Layla coming home with us? And Gibson's giving like as good of answers as he can. Like, she's gone to be with Jesus now. And, and the, a little Ben's like, but after she's been with Jesus for a while, will she then come to be with us? Does she not want to come to be with us? And um, Gibson points, he, and he goes back. He, what does he do? He goes back to the moon. And he says, Ben, what, what, is, what shape is the moon? And, and Ben says, it's, it's a crescent. What shape is the moon really? The moon is always round, and God is always good. And he's explained to him, like, there, there are times where the moon's really dark right now, and we're really sad. 
We really want, we want Layla to come home. But the moon is always round, and God is always good. And um, there's just, in that story, it's like, if you really believe that God is the creator, if you believe that he's always good, there's something that we can anchor ourselves to when we're going through just the worst, most unimaginable suffering like the Gibson family had to, had to go through. If God is creator, nothing's independent of him. He's good. He's truth. He's love. He's guiding things towards an end that leads to his glory and our good. And in the times where it feels like that could never be true, we can just rest in it. We can rest in him. And it's a relief even on our hardest days. He's the creator and we are the creatures. And the second thing, and I'll spend a lot less time on this, is that God is near. Read verse 2 with me again. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know about all this God as creator stuff. Maybe you have like this, you know, Genesis 1, you have some questions about evolution, questions about the reliability of the Bible. Uh, all good questions, all good things we're talking about um, that we could talk, that any member of our team would love to talk with you about if you have questions. Um, I, I suppose a question I would have for you um, as you, you're wrestling with those questions is as you look at verse 2, does it resemble your own life at all? Without form, void, uh, darkness over its face. Um, Yeah, and not to, I don't want to invalidate the questions. I think the questions are important. But underneath the questions, um, do you feel like that's about your, like near your life at all? The God that we see in this text is over the chaos of these things. He's near it. Um, and we're going to see this next week. He's going to take that which is dark, formless, void, He's going to take it, and he's going to make it into something so magnificent that we can barely even describe how wonderful it is. Do you want this to be true of your life, too? Do you long, is there any part of you that, that wishes it was true, that longs for this God, this God who is near? The, the same uh, Basil that I referred to earlier um, he, he looks at this passage, the spirit hovering over the waters, and he compares it to a bird that's like sitting on a nest with eggs. And like the, the spirit is like the warmth of the bird, of the bird like leading to like the, the, you know, like protecting and giving life to the eggs underneath, underneath her. Um, this is a God who is near. This is not a God who, who exercises dominion over creation like a brutal overlord, but a loving father who calls us back to himself. And ultimately, our destiny is for us to return to him. The, this book, the, these verses are about the very, very beginning, but in them, hidden in them, is also our end, and it's to return to him. Uh, the, here, here's the, the final quote I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with. Remember again how the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are in this passage. That theologian says this, the creation proceeds from the Father 
through the Son, remember, the principle that governs the whole, through his, he's the wisdom. The Father, it proceeds from the Father through the Son in the Spirit, in the Spirit that's hovering over the waters. From the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit, in order that, you know, for the reason that, in the Spirit, through the Son, we may, it, the whole creation may return to the Father. In the name of the Father, in the name of that, that, that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.